Hi, and welcome to Sepa Stories. Okay, so I have a really interesting and different kind of a read. Um, I found this writer on Tumblr, and this writer's name is Fanfic Flanus. F and then let me spill this in case you're looking for this person on Tumblr. I don't think this writer is yet posting to um, Archive of Our Own or Fanfiction.net, so you may only be able to find this writer on Tumblr. So the name for this writer is Fanfic Flanus, and it's F A N F I C F L A N E U S E. And the title of the story I'm about to read is called Sleepless. Okay, so what's interesting about this particular story, and I haven't seen this device used before, so I was really kind of excited to share this story once I had read it. Um, you have a Draco and then reader pairing, which is really unusual. So when you read the story, you have in parentheses a Y backslash N, which means your name. So you insert your name into the story, and it makes it really interesting and kind of personalized. So I thought this is really clever and really quite different. So when I reached out to the writer, I said, well, for the purposes of reading on on uh, Sepa stories, what name you know could I use, and can I get permissions? And uh, the writer was very gracious in allowing me to read this piece, and asked that I use the name Amalia, which I'm going to utilize in the story. So now that you kind of know about the unusual formatting, I'd like to dive into this story, this Draco story. I do believe this is like a rated G or T. Um, there really are no warnings or anything like that since this is a, a Tumblr posting. This is just directly posted onto this writer's Tumblr page, which I encourage you to check out. Uh, this particular writer is posting up all kinds of interesting stories and is sharing other fan fiction writers and has some pretty neat artwork. So check out their page. It's really cool. With that, let's go on ahead and dive into Sleepness, written by Fanfic Flanus, and we will begin this awesome story now. Amalia got tired of tossing and turning in bed. The soft snoring of her roommates only made things worse. She peeked through the curtains of her four-poster bed and saw Hermione sleeping. Her best friend had fallen into the arms of Morpheus a while ago. And there she was, herself, still unable to close her eyes as the night seemed to stretch infinitely. Amalia couldn't remember a time in her life when she hadn't suffered from insomnia. Usually the sleeping drought helped her, but these days the stress around her was so overpowering she hadn't even ventured into modern palm phrase for another dose. This year things were agitated to say the least. Pained by the tragedy at the Triwizard Tournament, Harry insisted that Voldemort was back. People were harsh. They mocked him, spread rumors about how he'd lost his mind, accused him of lying. Some even claimed that he'd murdered Cedric Diggory. She was one of Harry's closest friends, and she had her own reasons to believe him, which meant she was also a member of Dumbledore's army. If the strain of being part of an underground society wasn't enough, the fact that Dolores Umbridge had taken over the school gave plenty of reasons to drive anyone mad. The sickly, sweet pink lady was one of the most hateful people Amalia had ever met. 
She seemed to have taken a vow to make students' lives miserable. She was dead set against Harry and the three people she rather contemptuously referred to as his dream team, which of course included her, along with Ron and Hermione. The icing on the cake, oh, she had a crush. Amalia had an annoying, deeply confusing crush on the one boy she shouldn't, definitely should not be ogling at all. She blamed Snape for this. Hadn't he decided that Amalia and Hermione had to be separated in class? She wouldn't have to sit, she would have to sit next to the most stupid and obnoxious Slytherin in the whole school. <laughs> She'd have to talk to him every day, notice the little gestures that made him seem so vulnerable, so human. She noticed his big gray eyes could hold so much emotion. How his, how he had expressive eyebrows, how the corners of his lips curled just slightly in an awkward attempt to be friendly to her. How he'd fumbled with his family ring and pout when he was confused. She'd noticed how he had this one single curl that wouldn't be tamed regardless of how he combed his blonde hair, how he would always treat her with kindness, albeit with a playful cockiness, even when he was horrible to her friends. Yes, it was totally Snape's fault. Now, not only had she to deal with the butterflies and the blushing, the typical embarrassments of situations, but also the guilt of liking a guy who'd called her best friends horrible slurs and created elaborate campaigns to discredit and embarrass them. What was wrong with her? She felt like a traitor. If Ron thought Cho Chang could explode from an emotional overload, <laughs> Amalia felt she could combust right then and there. Tired of being in bed, Amalia pushed her covers and stood up. She slid into her linen night robe and slippers and left the room swiftly and silently as a cat. It was not the first time Amalia roamed through the castle late at night. Walking helped to ease her mind, and she found that the castle seemed more beautiful and enthralling the darker and lonelier it was. Amalia was so distracted she didn't realize she had unconsciously walked all the way to the astronomy tower. She decided to climb up something she had never done in all of her nightly rounds. Once she walked through the door, her gaze met those stormy gray eyes that gave her both butterflies and heartache all at the same time. She gulped and took a few steps back. If she could have guessed, she probably would have looked terrified at the moment. He was, after all, part of Umbridge's inquisitors. Amalia, wait, he said softly. Will you report me to Umbridge? she asked, panicky. What? No, I just... What are you doing here? I can't sleep, Amalia shrugged. She turned around to leave when she heard him whisper, a mean either, that sounded a bit desperate. She pictured his lips curled down just ever so slightly, and found that the image was adorable. She turned around, found him fiddling with his ring, which made her smile. He looked so shy and cute that she couldn't believe it was the same guy who could make her knees buckle with one of his infamous cocky smirks. She walked towards him while crossing her arms, suddenly self-conscious of her choice of outfit. Why so shy? he asked, trying to go back to his cocky, confident persona, complete with checking her out. He thought he'd nailed it until she raised an eyebrow in response, which made him cringe at his choice of words. Draco Malfoy was used to having his wall so frighteningly high it was conflicting for him to interact with someone he actually wanted to let in. 
with her, her smart questions, her kind smile, the way she treated him as an equal, and how she seemed to be interested in what she, what he actually had to say. He felt his, he felt his facade starting to crumple to bits. With his walls down, though, his suave persona seemed to turn to dust. Around her, he felt dorky. Draco Malfoy, dorky Merlin, if his father only knew this. Why can't you sleep? she asked absentmindedly, completely disregarding his last question. He noticed how her gaze shifted to the sky, her face full of wonder. He looked back at the stars as well and spotted Orion immediately. I have a lot in my mind. On my mind, he answered. What about you? Oh, me too, she answered. That's Taurus, right? she asked, pointing at the wrong constellation. Draco smiled. Whenever they finished their work, with a few minutes to spare, they would sit down and talk about their interests. Astronomy and Greek mythology were amongst some of the topics they'd covered. He'd shared his knowledge on the first, at first and learned more later. The conversation then changed topics, and they found themselves sitting on the floors back against the railings, sharing laughs and jokes and experiences. It was the first time they'd had a chance to have a full-on conversation, to ramble and laugh and be unapologetically friendly. Usually their conversations ended after the bell rang. Tonight they could talk for as long as they wanted to, make each other blush as many times as they wanted to, sit as incredibly close to each other as they wanted to. No one was waiting outside of the classroom. No one would judge or mock them for being friendly with one another. Suddenly, Amalia was not so mad that the night seemed to stretch on to infinity. So, you believe Potter? Draco pointed out. There was a bit of fake annoyance in his voice, a question. The conversation had taken a more serious tone when she mentioned something about his inqui inquisitorial squad. He is my best friend, Amali answered, shrugging once again. Pansy's my best friend, and I don't believe half of the things she says, Draco stated, trying to light up, lighten the mood once again. He mentally patted his back when Amalia laughed. If there's one person that truly knows Harry's not lying, it's you, Draco. She said this without a trace of malice in her voice. She was merely stating a fact. Draco could have pretended he was offended. He could have scoffed and stormed off. How dare she imply he and his family had something to do with you-know-who. He could use that to stand up, to close the door and never see her again, not have to deal with the terrible crush he was starting to feel for her. But here was the thing. He didn't want to do any of that. He wanted to keep talking to her, now and every single day. He wanted to see if she felt that same tickling in her stomach whenever he was around. And he wanted to kiss her so, so badly. Besides, everyone knew his parents had connections to the Dark Lord and his father. His father had been acting rather strangely when he'd gotten back from his fourth year. He had talked nonsense all summer, and it hadn't taken him too long to connect the dots. He knew Voldemort was back. There was no doubt about it. But until he decided to reveal himself, he had to play his part, and thus the whole Potter Stinks campaign had begun. Amalia he looked down, sad and ashamed. She put her hand on his arms, and their eyes met. Draco was transfixed. Amalia's heart was pounding hard in her chest. She leaned in slowly, trying to catch a glimpse of his reaction. Their noses were almost touching. 
She put one of her hands gently on Draco's cheek and leaned into the touch. Both closed their eyes as their lips finally touched. The kiss was slow at first, a bit shy even. But then they got comfortable with each other, and his hands traveled to her waist, the hand that wasn't on his cheek tangled in his blonde hair. The kiss became hungrier. He bit her lip, and she slathered her tongue gently into his mouth. When they finally pulled away, Draco looked at Amalia's flushed face, and he found himself absolutely smitten. I fancy you, Draco, she blurted out. Draco gave her huge wholehearted smile she smiled back i fancy you too amalia he said as he caressed her hair softly they kissed again and again sweet chaste kisses and pecks that made them both erupt in giggles draco felt on cloud line amalia couldn't believe what was happening that night they didn't speak of anything that night they didn't speak of all the possible ways in which things could go wrong. They didn't talk about Draco's concerns and certainties or uncertainties or about the war to come. They didn't talk about Amalia's guilt for her friends or about her friends. They just kissed and talked and held each other all night. And it was a beautiful night. All right, my friends, I'll join you back in just a few minutes. Hi, and welcome back to Sepha Stories. All right, everyone. So if you would like to skip ahead and go on to the next fan fiction story, this would be the time to do that. If you'd like to stick around for a bit of commentary, and this will be a short commentary, um, please do. We're going to talk a little bit about sleep less. So I really liked this story between Draco and Reader. So for the reading purposes, I utilize the name Amalia, but if you're reading this, uh, anywhere you heard her name would have been your name, which made it really cool. It made me think of those uh, choose-your-own-adventure stories from the 80s that were so popular way back in the day. And um, in this instance, you know, it was or like Mad Libs where you would fill in the blank and you, you could make a story up and make it personalized however way you wanted it. So I really thought that that was kind of an unusual take on this story. Um, if there was any stumbling in the reading that was, you know, on my part, um, it was a different kind of device to read in this way. But I really thought this was fun. It was of course, fan fiction, and it didn't really follow canon, and I really like this because you have an invented character of putting yourself or inserting yourself into the read. So I thought that was really quite wonderful. And I like that it's just this kind of extra character, and in this fan fiction story, almost a fantastical slice of uh, of time, like this this moment of a friend of Hermione and Harry and Ron's who, you know, is this person you've never read in the canon before um, that, that allows you to be a part of the story, to be to be interactive within the story. I thought that was really kind of cool to have, have you be a part of it in that way was really unusual. So I liked that device. I, I thought it was effective. I'd like to see more of that. I think that was really 
pretty pretty fun. Um, I did like how the character has insomnia. I have insomnia. <laughs> so I can relate to this where you just can't sleep and sometimes you just get up and maybe you do the dishes or you do a load of laundry or you read a book or you watch television or um, you know you don't sleep so you're awake and the whole world is sleeping but you're not and the night just keeps stretching on and on and I thought that this writer very much captured that and captured it well. I kind of like the recaps of some of the different things that were going on and then how um, the student from the student's perspective you know is blaming Snape for kind of throwing her and Draco together for separating her and Hermione in potions so that's how this character ends up or the you character kind of ends up um, thrown together with Draco and she's kind of feeling guilty that she's crushing on him and that you know, she feels bad about it because he's been terrible to her friends, <laughs> you know, so she kind of feels like a traitor, you know, being friendly to to this person, you know, who's been so horrible to her friends, you know, starting a campaign against Harry Potter, you know, calling Hermione terrible things and being mean to Ron as well. So, and then of course, you know, this writer is acknowledging that or Amalia or your name you know, is acknowledging that he's part of Umbridge's squad and, you know, she's uncomfortable with that where she's very much on the opposition. You know, she's a part of Dumbledore's army and somehow they kind of still manage to kind of have a late night hookup in a weird way. So um, I thought this was nice. You know, I thought it was a fun story um, to, to, to enjoy and to share with you and certainly you know out of the ordinary and it was a really unique writing device I thought it was fun so I really I liked the direction of this now I know that there are going to be a lot of die-hard Draco fans that might be like well I would want more of this or more of that or the only uh, thing I would have liked more of is a little bit more fleshing out of what's going to happen with this character and I know that this is what would be considered a little bit of fluff and fluff is a light-hearted gentle piece it's more for fun than anything else um, I thought this was great. Now, the author did have a note that says, Hello, magical Tumblr beings. First of all, I can't thank you enough for all of your love and support on my very first Imagine Ever. Can you check it out here? Uh, it says, I wrote yet another fluffy, sickly, sweet, absolutely self-indulgent Imagine. And it says, I hope you like this one as well. So this looks like this is a writer who is it's pretty much starting out, or I picked an earlier piece. I liked this story because it did kind of capture Draco and and a different aspect you know like maybe I know in a lot of fan fiction Draco's written as a ladies man you know like <laughs> the Slytherin sex god or whatever but but you know he's considered to be flirty and um and other fan fiction pieces and I kind of like how here he is definitely flirting with you know forbidden fruit of a of a Gryffindor and the Amalia, you know, character is friends with Harry and Ron and Hermione. So you're kind of questioning his motives and maybe hitting on her or crushing on her. But then as you read the story, you kind of find out that he really is interested in her. So I thought that was um, kind of a nice take, you know, on, on this story. And it was a fun take on it. So 
I would definitely read more of this writer's uh, stories. I'd like to see other characters be brought in, maybe some more dialogue or maybe some tension. I thought this was a sweet story and I kind of liked how, you know, they were looking at constellations together and, you know, she she purposely finds uh, Taurus, you know, incorrect and I thought that was pretty cool. So anyway, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this particular piece of fan fiction. I thought it was creative and very different and kind of unique in some of the pieces that we've read in its present when you read it it's a lot of fun to physically read um, if you go online and pull up this writer's stories it's a lot of fun to read because you can put your own name in and you're like oh that's me so <laughs> I thought that was kind of fun so thank you so so much fanfic news for contributing your story sleepness to Seppa stories podcast and with that I want to wish everyone a wonderful evening or day or moment, wherever you're at. And we will see you next time on SEPA Stories.